Well, if you've got a Bible with you, please do open that uh, back up to Psalm 119 again, which Stephen was uh, reading from earlier. As we uh, look at this psalm over the next uh, three weeks, or tonight, today, and two, the next two weeks, um, I also thought it would be a really good chance for us just to try to read right the way through it. It's off, not often we get a chance to, to read something like Psalm 119 all together. So um, that's what we're also going to do. Hopefully that will be a worthwhile thing for us as we uh, get stuck into what God's Word says about God's Word. So in a moment then, uh, before we begin digging into the text in more detail, I'm going to carry on reading where we left off earlier, reading from verses 33 through to 56. But just before I do that, I I thought it would be helpful maybe just to take a moment to situate ourselves to what is going on here in this psalm in terms of its pattern. Hopefully, um, you've already begun to uh, notice, uh, as you have it in front of you, that every eight verses here in this psalm, there are these headings, Aleph, Bet, Gimel. Etc. And those are the letters of the Hebrew alphabet in order. And the reason these are put as the titles uh, for each section is that for those eight verses, the writer of this psalm has started every verse with that letter. It's essentially an acrostic. So if you uh, take the first eight verses, for example, if you look with me at the screens there, each verse in that original Hebrew begins with the letter Aleph. You'll see the, the pattern, that same letter. But for the psalmist who just loves God's word, that one, ver, that one stanza is not enough. And so he moves on to do the same with the letter Beit and Gimel. And you get the idea. Right the way through to the final and 22nd letter, Tav. And then and only then does it seem the psalmist feels he has said enough about God's word. So already, just I think in the psalm's length, we can begin to see how he feels about God's word. But I think also we can see the same in his care then, that this is no psalm that is thrown together, but this is a psalm that, as C.S. Lewis described it, is like one done like embroidery, stitch by stitch through long, quiet hours for love of the subject and for the delight in leisurely, disciplined craftsmanship. And so in that way, we are left here with 176 carefully crafted verses on the topic of God's Word. As I said, before we start digging into them, though, let's continue to read through them. We're going to pick up here in verse 33. And by the way, as we, as we hear this, I want you also just to listen out for the different words that the psalmist uses to talk about God's word. He says, law, testimonies, precepts, statute, commandments, righteous rules, word, promise. Each of those you'll see repeated. They have a different shade of meaning, but ultimately referring back to God's word as a whole. But let's read from verses 33 to 56, though. Verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good." Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. 
Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. I will keep your law continually, forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame, for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Remember your word to your servant, in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from of old, I take Comfort, O Lord. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. This blessing has fallen to me that I have kept your precepts. Well, let's pray as we turn to God's word now. O Lord, as the psalmist there himself asked, we also ask now that as we turn to your word and consider it together, you would open our eyes, that in it we may behold wondrous things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as riches. I will delight in your statutes. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Your testimonies are my delight. Behold, I long for your precepts, for I find delight in your commandments, which I love. Your statutes have been my songs. When you add all of those verses up, they form quite the picture, don't they? And this kind of language in this psalm doesn't stop up to where we've read to. As we'll see over the next few weeks, it goes on and on and on. Here in Psalm 119, we come face to face with someone. We don't know exactly who the writer of the psalm is, but we come face to face with someone who thinks pretty highly about God's word, doesn't he? He delights in it. He longs for it. He loves it. He sings about it. And as we See this. I Here, I think, is what this psalm then is here to do for us. And for all who have sung it, who have read it since it was first written. It is meant to inspire us to do the same. To find delight in God's word. Long for it. Love it. Sing about it. In this way, I think the psalmist and his words are meant to be an inspiration and a model for us to follow today. See, for many of us here this morning, I think we would echo the psalmist's words ourselves, wouldn't we? This psalm is, as they all are, written to be sung, and so we would very happily sing along ourselves. Yes, this is how I feel about God's word. Well, if that's you, then I hope that as we get into this psalm over the next few weeks, it will just continue to encourage you and strengthen you to continue doing the same, loving, delighting in God's word each and every day. 
I think, though, it's also true that for many Christians, we would very happily sing and say the kind of words that we just uh, saw in this psalm about God's word, but we would also say that our day-to-day doesn't always reflect that. In fact, whether we'd admit it or not, while we would say we love and delight in God's word, sometimes, actually, God's words can be left on the shelf amongst the busyness of life. Priority, perhaps, given to other things, other good things. Or perhaps we would say that when we do open God's word, it can sometimes feel more out of duty than delight. Now, I say this, and if you feel that, I say that not to to discourage. If you've been there, I certainly have. I think that's a reality for, for us at different times, for many of us. But if that is you, I also hope and pray that as I've been praying for myself over this past week or so, as we consider this psalm, it would just inspire and encourage us to see again the goodness of God's word, the goodness of God himself, that it might reinvigorate us to keep going going back to it day by day to seek the treasure that we find there. And I guess the reality is that there will be some of you out there this morning who at the moment would say, do you know what, I'm not sure I do delight in God's word. If that's you, I'm so glad that you're here this morning as we get into Psalm 119 together. Whether you've just become disillusioned with God's word or for some reason, or or whether you're maybe just beginning to explore it for the first time, to see what it's all about. Again, I hope and pray that over these next few weeks, as we get into this psalm, God will be showing you, maybe even for the first time, the goodness, the glories and the wonders of himself, and then also of his word, that you might begin to feel similarly about it to the psalmist himself. Now, as we Begin this three-part series this morning, though. I do uh, want us today to start by answering three main introductory kind of questions, drawing mostly from the first 16 verses. We'll get into some of the specifics over the next couple of weeks. But as I uh, said, for today, I want us to answer three questions that will hopefully help us to see what it will mean, look like, for us to delight in God's Word. And first of all, we're going to answer the question, what exactly is the psalmist delighting in? in? And I think we have to answer this question because at first glance, I think we might hear the psalmist's language in this psalm and begin to think to ourselves, this guy, if I'm being honest, sounds a little bit weird or at least a bit over the top in his love for rules and rule keeping. I mean, very rarely do we receive a rule book and really treasure that, love that, keep it beside our beds at night. In fact, thinking back to school, we used to to get these year planners, as it were, in the form of a ring binder, a bit like this. And I'm pretty sure that by the end of the first week, for most, the, the pages at the back that included the school rules, well, they had been ripped out and thrown into the bin. A waste of ink, a waste of paper. All that to say that very few school pupils go around saying things like verse 13, if you look with me. Saying things like, with my lips I declare all the rules of the school. And if they did, again, I think we might be giving them a slightly weird look. And it's not just school kids, if we're being honest, is it? It's most of us. Just think recently of... COVID rules, 
Just think maybe of rules in your workplace that really annoy you. So what's going on here? When we read in verses 5 and verses 8 about the psalmist's desire to keep the Lord's precepts and statutes, is this just all a slightly strange love for rules? Well, no, I do not think that is what we see here. Yes, the psalmist clearly does love God's laws, his commandments. And we're going to see more of that over the next few weeks. But we also have to see that that all comes as part of a much wider picture. See, as I mentioned uh, to begin with, the psalmist pretty much freely interchanges between eight different words about God's word. Talking of keeping precepts just as much as of keeping words. Talking of meditating on God's statutes just as he meditates on God's promise. And in this way, I think we need to see that the psalmist doesn't just delight here in God's rules, but all of God's words. For the psalmist at this point, uh, you see, the only scripture he likely had in front of him was the law. And the law was much wider than just, say, for example, the Ten Commandments. The law at this point would have been the first five books of the Old Testament. And if you look with me at verse 1, That is the word that is used there to open with, the law of the Lord. That law is the translation you probably heard at the word Torah. And that is that that all-encompassing word that often just refers back to the first five books of the Old Testament. And, And it's a comprehensive term for all words that give direction from God. And in those books, for example, we find out about God's testimonies. That's one of the other words the psalmist uses. Now, testimonies, if we look at the specific uh, use of that word, they are, for example, commanded. They're commanded the things that flow directly out of God's own salvation of his people. Testimonies are are things that we read in God's word that refer back. They refer back, for example, to God's saving work. His saving work of the people from the land of slavery, for example. That the book of Exodus records for us. So as the psalmist in verse 14 says that he delights in the way of the Lord's testimonies, well, we see there that he he loves the testimonies, the commands, but that's not the only thing in view. What is also in view is God's salvation, his grace and his mercy to his people. And of course, in the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, we also read lots alongside God's law about God's promises. That's the word that's translated in verse 11 there, word. But I think a more accurate translation, and it's used elsewhere in in the ESV, it should be translated promise. Promise. Words, promises, like those found in Exodus chapter 6, verse 7, for example. Glorious promise in God's word. He says, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. So the psalmist does delight in God's laws, the rules he finds in his word, but that is all part of this wider picture. He delights in all of God's words. And that's why, in essence, I think that today, with God's fuller revelation of himself and his works in front of us in the Bible as a whole, I think we can essentially replace those words and think of them under that banner of the Bible, God's word. See, the Bible still today, doesn't it? It speaks commands. 
It speaks laws for us to obey. And it also continues to speak testimonies. Things for us to do that we are only asked to do because they flow out of God's grace, his salvation for us. And of course, God's word continues to speak the same kind of promises that we read just then, speaking of hope and peace and comfort for his people. And of course, as we see this, there's a challenge for us in this too, isn't there? And we'll think again a bit more about this in coming weeks. But sometimes for us, I think we can see God's word. And in some ways, we can find that we just focus in on one part of it. Maybe you've found that at some points in your life. But this is a reminder here, I think, that we have reason to delight in all of God's word. It is so rich, so varied. It gives direction as well as giving comfort. It offers peace and rest while urging us to purposefully press on. It speaks hope and light while also showing us the darkness that those, that light is shining into. So if we're going to follow the psalmist's example from our first question, what is our answer? What exactly are we delighting in? We are delighting in all of God's words. So with that in mind, let's turn now to our second question for this morning. Right, we want to be those who are delighting in, in God's words. Where do we start? Where do we start? And to answer this question, I think we're going to see that as weird as it may sound at first, the answer isn't actually God's word, but something else. If we're going to delight in God's word, we actually have to start with seeking the Lord with all our hearts. See, I think we see so clearly in this psalm that the reason the psalmist delights in the word of God is that he desires to seek the God of the word. We see this focus on God and not just his word right from the start of the psalm here. And it's such a crucial one, I think, for us to recognize as we get into this psalm. Just look with me. The psalmist isn't captivated by God's word because it's some ancient manuscript that gives few good tips or an inspirational quote or two. No, he is captivated on it, focused on it, because verse 1, it is the law of the Lord. And verse 2 then nails this down even more clearly for us to see. Look there with me. He writes first, blessed are those who keep the Lord's testimonies. But then he says, that is the same, the second half of that verse, as those who seek the Lord with their whole heart. We see the same again in verses 9 and 10, if you look on with me. End of verse 9, the young man can keep his way pure by guarding it according to the word of the Lord. Verse 10, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. If we're going to understand the psalmist's delight in God's word, we have to recognize this. His delight in God's word stems from his delight in God himself. Look again at verse 12. There the psalmist declares, Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. As I was thinking about this, it reminded me of uh, Elliot, Steve and Lindsay's son, who a few months ago, I think, uh, got a letter from the Prime Minister. He'd written to the Prime Minister, and the Prime Minister had replied, and I think Elliot was pretty pleased about it. I think he was carrying it around for a little while with him. But what was it about that letter that made Elliot pick it up and want to take notice 
more than the other bills or the letters that he could have picked up probably as the things came through the door that morning. It was where the letter came from, the source. Now, I don't think in that letter the Prime Minister wrote anything particularly life-transforming to Eliot. Uh, So the analogy isn't perfect because God's word absolutely does that. But the point is this. The starting point for the psalmist is the God of the word. That is what draws him to the word because he knows then that in that word he will be instructed how to seek after God how to live for God with all his life. Now, as we see this, I think this is so important for us to see and recognize. As Christians, and I think this can sometimes sadly become the case, we do not read the Bible as some kind of academic exercise, as something to merely increase our understanding. No, we should, every time we open up the pages of this book, be picking it up, studying it, pouring over it, because we want wholeheartedly to seek the Lord. He is the ultimate object of our affections, our delight, our strength, our hope. And it is then in God's word that we see why he is so rightly all of those different things. So as we see this, before we continue on, let me just ask you this question. Because I think it really is the starting point, the heart of this psalm. Is verse 10, if you look at it, true for you? That with your whole heart you seek the Lord. Now that's a difficult question to answer, isn't it? Because each of us knows just how fickle our hearts so often are. How quickly they are swayed and pulled in other directions. So maybe here's a follow-up question. Would you like verse 10 to be true for you more and more every single day? That with your whole heart you would seek the Lord. It's funny, but I think if we are going to increasingly delight in God's word, like the psalmist here, our first prayer is not to do with God's word. It is to do with God. Lord, would you stir up my heart again that above all things, all other desires of my heart, I would long for you. I would seek after you. In some ways, that's what we were singing, isn't it? Be thou my vision. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul thirsts after you. Lord, may that be more and more the case. And then, Lord, flowing from that, would you show me that it is in your word that I can find you? That I can learn what it is to follow you? That I can see that you are the one who will satisfy? That I can see you direct and lead? That you will comfort and help me? Help me to see, Lord, in your word, that you will never leave me or forsake me. God's word can and can't and never should be disassociated from God himself. As we said at the beginning, maybe you're out there and feeling like at times you're reading God's word at the moment more out of duty than delight. Or maybe because of that you'd admit you're rarely reading God's word at all. If that's you, ask God again, even right now, this very morning, to say, Lord, stir up a greater delight in my word by first stirring up a greater delight in you. Of course, that would be a good prayer for all of us this morning, wouldn't it? God, 
Would you be the one who is increasingly the one I seek after with all of my heart? So, so far we've answered our first two questions. We've seen the, the call of this psalm to be delighting in all of God's words. That's the starting point. And sorry, the starting point in doing that is seeking the Lord. Let's move on to our third and final question then. What, according to this psalm, does a life delighting in God's word look like? And this is so important for us to see because a life delighting in God's word doesn't ultimately end up looking like a life of pure contemplation. That's not at all what we see pictured here. A life staring at, inspecting, admiring God's word, like you'd almost admire that good piece of art on the wall. No, instead we see as a delight of God's word should end up actively directing us, showing us day by day how we live. We see this most clearly uh, in the psalmist's summary phrase, I think, in verse 3, where he writes there about walking in the Lord's ways. And this kind of language, this active walking way, it speaks of a direction of travel in life that is governed by God's word. And we see it also in verse 1, if you look with me again. Blessed are those whose way is blameless. That is their way, their life is, as one commentator puts it, going in one direction. They are the same on the inside as they are on the outside. It is one direction towards the Lord. And then verse 1 continues, blessed are those who, see the language, walk in the law of the Lord. The same language as in verse 3. And look also at verse 9. We read there, how can a young man keep his way pure? Verse 15, the same, I will fix my eyes on your ways. See, the psalmist's delight in God's word seems to be tied up with the fact that these words give him direction in life. What is in God's word is not just some theoretical concept or some ideas, an explanation, for example, of how gravity works, how far the sun is from the earth, what an atom is made up of. No, God's word is immensely practical for us in the day-to-day. Rather than being a fact sheet, God's word is more like a road map, isn't it? It shows us the way, shows us where to walk. Because whether we realize it or not, we are always in life walking. We are always on the move. We are always walking in one direction or another. There is very little to nothing in life that we do that isn't either actively, in fact, walking towards the Lord in line with his word or walking away from God's word. See, ultimately, how we work, what we talk about, what we watch on TV, who we choose to hang out with, what we do with our money, what we spend our time looking at on our phones, how we relate to our parents. The list could go on and on, couldn't it? Every single one of those things we are, whether we know it or not, doing with a direction of travel in our minds. It is either towards the Lord and his good, best ways for your life, or it is towards ourselves following our own ways, our own desires, our own wishes. 
And this is why I think we see the psalmist delighting here in God's word, because as he looks to it, the words there show him what it is to live a life that does wholeheartedly seek the Lord in everything. He hasn't been left on his own to randomly guess what it means for him to seek the Lord. No, the Lord has clearly revealed that to him in his word. In some ways, if we will delight in God's word, listening to it, ready to respond to it, it is a bit like Google Maps or an old-fashioned sat-nav. I, uh, I didn't realize that those were still ever really used until I got into the car with my dad just a couple of days ago. But anyway, you know when you're driving along, sat-nav or Google Maps, whatever it may be, and, and maybe you've got caught up in a conversation with someone, you got distracted in some way or other, and you miss the turning that they've asked you, they've suggested for you. It's pretty insistent, isn't it? it the, the maps, doesn't, they doesn't just let you carry on going your own way, does it? It immediately starts recalculating and redirecting you, showing you how it is that you can turn around and get back on the right path to the original destination. Well, if for you, your original destination is the Lord, seeking his ways, wanting to go towards him, that is in some ways what God's word constantly is doing for us. It is correcting us. It is stopping us in our tracks when we're in danger of wandering off in our own way. Redirecting us once again to what it is to live a life that is lived wholeheartedly, seeking the Lord. If you've been a Christian here for a number of years, or probably even just for a short amount of time, just think how often God's word has done that for you in your life already. So often as we open it up, it convicts us, doesn't it? I found that to be so much the case as we've looked at those, uh, those words from the book of James in our small groups over recent weeks. It's helped me to realize, where is it that my words are beginning to drift off, even unknowingly, to a different direction to God's good ways? Or how is my attitude towards other people shaped by other things than a desire to seek the Lord? Well, all of that is something that the psalmist has come to realize for himself, hasn't he? As he wholeheartedly seeks the Lord, he recognizes that his word is constantly directing him how to do that what it looks like to do that. Look at verse 5 with me. There the psalmist says, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Why? Because he wants to seek the Lord in all things, and so his statutes will guide him as he does that. Look at verse 7 too. The psalmist, he wants to praise the Lord with an upright heart, as he should. How will he do that? Second half of the verse, he will do that when he learns his righteous rules. The psalmist wants to seek the Lord with all he's got, and so he turns to God's word to learn from it, that it would direct him in how to do that, how to walk, how to live in the Lord's ways. Now, just before we finish this morning by then turning to a final word of encouragement for us to, to delight in God's word, I do think it's important to notice one other thing in answer to our third question. And that is that a life delighting in God's word will also look like humbly 
recognizing our need of the Lord if we're going to do that. To see this, if you look with me, pretty much every verse in this psalm, from verse 4 onwards, they are directed towards the Lord. And again and again, we see him praying, praying things like in verse 5, that the Lord would be working in him to keep his ways steadfast. Like in verse 10, that the Lord would not let him wander from his commandments. Like in verse 12, that the Lord would be teaching him his statutes. In fact, if you've got a Bible there, you can flick to it. Flick to the final verse of this psalm with me. Verse 176. We'll get there, hopefully. (laughs) If you come back over the next few weeks, uh, we'll get there. And we see here the psalmist's recognition, even here right at the end, his own failure to live as he should and he desperately wants to. And we see him there in that last verse asking for the Lord to help him again. There we read, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. All in all then, if we are Christians here this morning, I think what the psalmist expresses here in this psalm is our experience too. We want to desperately to say the things that he does, that with our whole heart we seek the Lord and we delight in his statutes, his words, but we also recognize, don't we, how quickly we go astray from that. How often we begin to seek after other things, forget God's words, don't delight in it. And so recognizing that reality, what do we need to do? We, like the psalmist, need to first of all regularly confess our weakness, our failings, our sins. And then every day, pray that by the Spirit, we would once again go into that day seeking the Lord and walking step by step every single day according to his word. And the good news is that the Lord loves to answer prayers like that. One is so clearly in line with his will. Could you pray, verse 5, Verse 10, verse 18, verse 176 each day this week. Expectantly looking to the Lord to answer. Please, Lord, answer these prayers. You hopefully uh, find those verses somewhere on a seat near to you. Why not take them with you this week? Put them in your Bible. Wherever it is, you're going to see them. And just pray those simple words every day this week. Lord, as I come to your word today, would you help me to see the wondrous things in it? Lord, today, would you help me to be steadfast in keeping your statutes? Lord, help me today with my whole heart to seek you. It's a great prayer we can pray every single day. It's a great prayer that over the next couple of weeks as we dig more and more into this, the Lord would also be doing the same. Now, there's one final word of encouragement. As I said, I want us to leave with this morning before we close our time off. And that is what this psalm tells us in the opening three verses. That if we are those who will delight in God's word, that will result in a life of blessing. We will be blessed. Look again at the language there in verses 1 to 3. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk 
in his ways. Now, as I say, we're going to be spending more time thinking about this over the next couple of weeks. I encourage you, come back. Let's hear that together. But let me leave you with this encouragement. God's word, his laws, his ways, they ultimately come to us as a source of blessing. This is God's heart. Do you know, this is God's heart for you. That as you look at his word, you would be blessed. So as you press on in seeking the God of the word, delighting then in the word of God, know that in doing that, God is ultimately leading you to a life of freedom. Freedom from the slavery to the world, from slavery to the world and to sin. Freedom in Christ. A life lived also according to his best plans for your life. And of course, a life lived in the peace and rest that is found in the one who in the beginning was the word. Who was with God, who was God. As John goes on to say there in the beginning of his book, in him, in the word was life, and the life was the light of men. That's, of course, the ultimate blessing, isn't it? As we walk in God's ways, we do that walking with Christ, walking with Christ by our side, knowing that we have peace and we have favor with God because of him. Let's pray as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this psalm. We thank you so much that it is in your word. And Lord, we do want to just come and confess again. Lord, we read these words and they are so challenging to us. We read these words of the psalmist seeking you with his whole heart. And we recognize that just as he does later on, We so often fail to do that. Lord, would you please work again in our lives? Lord, where there are ways that even this morning, maybe you've been showing us, convicting us, are not in line with you. We're not living in a way that honors you and seeks you first. Lord, please would you help us and change us. And Lord, would you change our hearts so that ultimately we would more and more say, be thou my vision. That we would long to look, to live our lives walking with you, walking in line with your word. And Lord, as we think there, thought there at the end, we, Lord, we thank you for that blessing that comes with that. Lord, we thank you so much for the goodness of your word and pray that as we then consider that and think even more on that over the next few weeks, you would stir us up, remind us of your goodness, remind us of your heart for your people. And that is, Lord, that we would walk in the goodness of your ways. Lord, that you would bless us and help us. So, Lord, we pray that you would help us as we respond to this uh, word this week. Help us to keep you first in our lives and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are going to sing about the word, the word of God the Father, Christ. And just rejoice again in the goodness, the blessing that we find in him in this final, uh, this final song. We're going to sing together, You're the Word of God the Father. Let's stand as the musicians begin to play.
face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In Jesus, amen.